This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, renegade psychologist, John Roseman. I I'm a psychologist by law, licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, and I hope they're listening because they haven't been able to shut me up. They've tried to shut me up. They've tried two or three times to shut me up. They've tried to take my license away because they don't like what I say. And what I say is this, that psychology has caused more problems for the American family, the American child, the American marriage the American parent, especially the American mother, the American school, the American community, then psychologists even know how to solve. I've written 20 books, uh, depending on how you count the, you know, the updated editions and all that, counting liberally. I've written 20 books on children, parenting, and family issues, and I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that appears in about 250 newspapers around the country, including some big ones like the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Buffalo News, Albuquerque Journal, places like that. And I do this radio show, go around the country. I'm probably, no, not probably, I am the busiest public speaker in parenting in America today and just love what I do. I mean, this is a mission to me. And this is a ministry. What is my mission? It is to help people understand that in the Christian community, understand that all we need is scripture to help us raise kids. And I go around the country and I help Christian parents understand that there is a parenting plan clearly set forth in scripture and that if we abide by that plan, if we trust in that plan, then the Lord will keep our parenting path straight. Uh, if we depend on other sinful, faulted human beings for our parenting plan, then we are going to go astray and we are going to have problems. And that's why American parents, even in the Christian community, have been having so many problems with the simple exercise of raising children since the mid-1960s, which is when, not coincidentally, we began listening to, ta-da, people like me tell us how to raise kids. And so, what I'd like to begin with today is a rant against America's public schools, vis-a-vis a conversation I was having with a high school senior the other day. And uh, he's a high school senior. He's 18 years old. He's about to graduate from high school and go to college. And he's a very, very intelligent kid. I told him, I said, you are one of the most intelligent people of your age that I have ever spoken to. And he is the son and stepson of two very good friends of mine. And in this conversation, which ventured into some deeply philosophical and scientific issues, he used the word evolution very casually as if it was an undeniable reality. He just said, oh, well, as we were evolving 
And so I pointed out to him that his language betrayed his premises and asked him if he could defend his belief that Darwin's theory was true. And he said uh, that it was his understanding that it was the explanation that made the most sense. And I asked him how it made sense. Now, he he attends a public school and has always attended a public school ever since uh, kindergarten. So I asked him, I said, well, how does it make sense? Exactly how does it make sense? What is the evidence for Darwin's theory? And his explanation, as one might predict, consisted of sound bites from the secular humanist Darwinist playbook, none of which he could defend. And you can't defend it because, as I told him, Darwin's theory was a construct, nothing more. It is not a fact. It is not a set of facts. It does not consist of a set of facts. It is, as the term clearly states, a theory. It is Darwin's theory of evolution. It is his attempt 150-something years ago to explain life from a non-religious perspective. And this was, you know, his theory, most people don't understand that in the 19th century when Darwin proposed his theory of evolution, people were extremely excited about the notion, the emerging notion that science could explain everything, that we did not need supernatural explanations to explain the universe, the ordering of the universe, life on the planet Earth. So Darwin set sail on the HMS Beagle, and he went to the Galapagos Islands, and he observed uh, finches and primarily finches. And he, you know, he was a brilliant uh, synthesis and a, a brilliant thinker. He came up with this theory of evolution. And even though, even though there has never been discovered, no one has ever discovered any tangible evidence that would support his theory and transform it from a theory into fact, it persists. And it is the, uh, it is the reigning religion of choice on America's secular college campuses. In fact, if you are a professor even of whatever, parks and recreation, and you come out as a person who does not believe in evolution, you instead believe in creation, you will probably be fired. Or at least you will be effectively fired because you won't get tenure. So I pointed out to this young man that Darwin's theory was a construct, nothing more that not one smidgen of evidence has been found to support it. And I pointed out to him that, you know, he, he started talking about the fossil record. And I said, no, no, I'm very familiar with the fossil record. The Cambrian explosion, if you accept that the Earth, and, and this is merely for the purposes of discussion, folks. I'm not taking a position on this on this radio show at this time. But I said, if you accept that the Cambrian explosion, according to geological evidence, occurred some several billion years ago, there is no evidence that any of those body plans have changed in the last three to five billion years. 
There's been no evolution. Many of the body plans that we see in the fossil record from the Cambrian fossil explosion are still with us. These are living animals today, and their body plans have not changed in three to five billion years. And that is the fact of the fossil record. So then he brought out that, uh, well, skeletons of early humanids, humanoids, humanids, however you pronounce that, have been found. And I said, well, no, they have not been. What have been found are bones that appear to be, upon close examination, bones of early primates, not humans. And that's consistent with the Bible In Genesis, it is clear that God created animals before he created man. The notion that these bones are the bones of species that eventually evolved into humans is nothing more than wishful thinking on the part of people who are just freaked out by the idea that, wow, there may be a God, and if there is, we are accountable to him. So that that's, you know, the basis of secular humanism is the notion. And, I you know, I've been there, done that. I, I was a non-believer for more years of my adulthood than I've been a believer. And so I understand secular humanism like the back of my hand. I lived it. And that's the whole idea that, you know, we are not accountable. We are autonomous, that we can make up our own values and that the values that you, George, make up for yourself are no less credible and worthy than the values that I make up for myself. And so these people are freaked out, totally freaked by the idea that, whoa, there may be only one valid value system, one valid worldview, and that we are all accountable to a supernatural being called God. So this uh, young man then uh, referred to Homo sapiens. He said something about, you know, blah, 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 Homo sapiens. And just to relieve some of the, and that wasn't much, but just to inject a little humor into the conversation, I said, just for the record, our human ancestors were probably, in all likelihood, in fact, there's very little likelihood to the contrary, our very early human ancestors were hetero sapiens, to which, after the laughter died down, he said, our ancestors probably did not separate humans according to those categories. In other words, they were more tolerant than we are today. Ah, the myth of the much advanced, spiritually enlightened savage, unburdened by modern prejudice, uh, which have been, all of which have been these prejudices manufactured by evil religion, and the idea that early civilization was uh, all, you know, everybody, the whole thing, the whole civilization was LGBTQXYZ or whatever it is. Everybody got along, used the same bathrooms, practiced free universal love, and so on. The young man in question has, after all, gone to a public school. That's where he's absorbed this baloney. And to make matters worse, he's implying to secular universities where this baloney will be hammered even further into his worldview. What a shame. To be brief, which I must be because we're right up on a break. You know, the story of this young man is the story of modern parenting, modern child rearing. 
And this is why I tell Christian parents you should do everything within your power to keep your children out of the clutches of America's public schools because all they are interested in is teaching a certain ideology. They don't care if your child learns to add, spell, read properly. All they care about is that they graduate secular humanists, people who will march to their bizarre drum beats. And we'll be back in a second with more of this outrageous stuff. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could stay with us. You know, in the first uh, part of the show, I talked about a conversation that I had with this young man in in Florida, and extremely intelligent. I mean, to the to the point of being brilliant. And you know, I eventually told him. I said, you know, even though you're wrong, which is fine. You're you're 18 years old, and you know, I was convinced at the age of 18 that I was right about everything, and that is the nature of being 18 years old that you're convinced that you're right about everything. And the overwhelming majority of 18-year-olds are full of themselves and therefore unteachable. I said, so it won't matter that I say this to you. And I said all this to him in, in, in good humor. We were laughing a lot, the, the whole bunch of us, me, my wife, his mother, stepfather, and him. We were all laughing a lot because I can talk about this stuff, folks. I have a, I guess it, it would be called a gift. I have a gift of being able to talk about this stuff with people who do not see things the way that I do in a way that causes even them to occasionally burst out laughing. Because I see all of this with a great sense of humor. I mean, it's, this, it's serious business to me. But at the same time, there is an absurdity to the other point of view, the point of view that is opposite my own. And I sometimes am able to point that out in a way that gets the person who espouses that point of view to laugh. So I said to this young man, even though you are wrong about everything, you are a brilliant thinker. And I congratulate you on that. In fact, you are one of the most intelligent people your age I have ever met. And I shared with those of you who were with the program in the first half of the program that, you know, this is, this is what America's public schools do. They're, they're not interested in your child learning to correctly do math. They're not interested in your child learning to correctly spell they don't correct spelling mistakes anymore. They're not interested, really, in your child learning how to read, critical thinking. If a teacher asks, so, you know, the question about something that the class has just read, well, what do you think that means? Any answer will be acceptable. Uh, there is no attempt on the part of these teachers. And, and we're, uh, folks, we're two generations into this. And so these teachers who do not teach children how to think critically, have not themselves been taught to think critically. So it's very understandable. And this is the purpose of America's public schools. It is to brainwash. It is to propagandize. It is to inculcate a secular humanist worldview into the child. And this is why 
to reiterate what I said in the first half of the show, I tell Christian audiences all across America at every possible opportunity that they should do everything in their power to see to it that their children are not exposed to this toxic ideology. Let me explain it in in terms of a metaphor. So you raise your child in a Christian household. Uh, you, You read the Bible, you read passages of the Bible out loud on a daily basis, maybe before dinner every night. You read the Bible before bedtime. You go to church on Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Your family is steeped in a Christian worldview. Okay, so that would be the glass of water in my metaphor. And you send your child to a public school. And into this glass of water, public schools scoop one half of a teaspoon of poison. Well, do you know that turns the entire glass of water into a poisonous substance? And that's what America's public schools are capable of doing. They are capable, no matter how good a job you do as a Christian parent, of instilling a Christian biblical worldview into your children. Exposure to public education is capable of poisoning your child, poisoning your child, poisoning your child's worldview and turning your child gradually against a Christian worldview, turning your child into a secular humanist. And if it's not fully accomplished while your child is in grades K through 12, if you send your child to a public university, a state-sponsored university, a government university, well, they will continue the process, and it is all very likely, significant enough uh, of a likelihood that your child, that the process will be completed in college, and that you will be dealing with a 30-year-old who is not a believer, which I will tell you, I hear these testimonies from parents all over the country. It is heartbreaking. You don't want to go there. So don't send your children to public school. And this is no criticism, by the way, necessarily, of the people who staff America's public schools. This is an indictment when it really boils down to it of federal aid to education. Federal aid to education allowed and the creation of the Department of Education during Jimmy Cotta, Jimmy Cotta's episode as president of the United States, that we are dealing with these issues in America's public education system today. And it is also, this situation is also a function of the fact that even evangelical Christian teachers cannot talk about the Bible if they are public school teachers. Uh, Mind you now, mind you now, a Muslim teacher can talk about Islam. How about that? But a Christian teacher cannot talk about Christianity, cannot talk about Jesus Christ, and a Jewish teacher cannot talk about Judaism. Only, very interestingly enough, Muslim teachers can talk about Islam and not be reprimanded or lose their jobs. Ain't that amazing? So um, I'm going to break into this uh, monologue with what may be startling news. I am a songwriter. 
I do this as a hobby. I write songs all the time. And one of the refrains of a song that I've written, it's rather an apocalyptic song, goes like this. There's dark clouds on the horizon. There's writing in the sky. But you don't see it because you're too preoccupied. So folks, don't be preoccupied. Look around you. A new bill proposed in West Virginia could make the act of homeschooling equal to that of child abuse. In fact, lawmakers in West Virginia are considering a bill that would outlaw homeschooling based on the spurious idea that homeschooling is effectively child abuse. You see, they they can't outlaw it any other way because it's already been established in law that parents have a right to control the education of their children, but it has also been established in law that parents have no right to abuse their children, so lawmakers in West Virginia are conflating the idea that child abuse is forbidden by law into a bill now being considered in the West Virginia legislature that would define homeschooling as child abuse. You get this? This is clever. This is clever. But you see, the serpent is, not was, but is the most clever of God's creation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, John. Do you mean God created Satan? (laughs) Well, yeah, didn't you know that? (laughs) God created everything. Yeah, so God created Satan, a, a renegade angel named, apparently, Lucifer, bringer of what? Light. So here's what this all means folks, to to give you the big picture. The big picture is that if this bill prevails, and by the way, it is being sponsored by a coalition of Republicans and Democrats in the West Virginia State Legislature. So this is dangerous stuff. This is very, very dangerous. If this bill prevails in the West Virginia legislature, if the West Virginia legislature is able to outlaw homeschooling based on the spurious claim that parents are not qualified to educate their children, and therefore, because education, proper education, is so critical to the welfare of a child, therefore, homeschooling equates Two, child abuse, a denial of fundamental children's rights, then this is going to go viral in America. There are many liberal state legislatures, and praise the Lord that there aren't many left, but there are a lot of special interest groups that will begin to pressure state legislatures to adopt similar bills. This could go viral if this passes in West Virginia, which is why the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA, I, in fact, sit on a board that was created by HSLDA, the board of parentalrights.org, which is why the Homeschool Legal Defense Association is vehemently opposing the bill and is urging 
members of the West Virginia legislature, as well as citizens in the homeschooling community in West Virginia, to contact state legislatures and tell them not to vote in in favor of this legislation. The HSLDA says what is commonsensical. We already have bills against child abuse. This is an attempt to illegally expand that definition into an area that has already been established as a parental right. So anyway, the meaning of all this is don't be preoccupied. Take care that you notice what's going on around you. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you continue to do so every Saturday afternoon on American Family Radio at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. God bless. Take care and be well.